Before we get started, we have some exciting news to share. Yo, we're doing big fucking things. The Turn On just joined the Frolic Podcast Network, which is a new community for folks who love erotica and romance novels as much as we do. So what does that mean for you? I mean, first, y'all need to be happy for a bitch. But more than that, it means that we will be your hookup to connect you with other shows you'll love almost as much as this one. Yep. And you can start right now. Just head over to frolic.media slash podcast to find a new show today. Now let's get started. Come here. Get off. Our guest today is Lauren Sherell, head of independent publishing collective Resolute Publishing, co-director of the Black Lesbian Literary Collective, and editor and writer of and contributor to projects that include Solace, Writing Refuge in the LGBTQ Women of Color, Les Talk, a collection of Black lesbian short fiction, and last week's selection, The Dawn of Nia. When not reading and writing, Lauren likes to travel, binge watch television, and teach women to explore and adore the power of intimacy. That's dope. (laughs) And we're so glad that you're here with us. Thank you so much for saying yes. Oh, no problem. I'm glad to be here. Yay. So before we get into the interview, we like to ask what folks' pronouns are so that we make sure that we are using them correctly. So what are your pronouns? She and her. Awesome. And we are also she and her. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the pronouns, we also like to, we read your official bio, but we want to break down to our readers in our writers' words, what they do. So in regular ass words, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, in regular ass words, I am a storyteller. Um, Just pretty much across everything that I do. um, My background is in graphic design, so there's visual communication, visual storytelling. Um, As far as my work life, I write stories. I am communicating through social media, so I'm telling snippets of stories. And then, of course, I play around in my personal time and, um, you know, write fiction. So, plainly, yes, I'm a storyteller. Right. So, when did you first realize that you were a storyteller? Um, back in 20, let me see, 2009, when the recession tanked. So, well, when the economy tanked. Um, I've always been someone who loved books. I love stories. Um, whether the story is in a book form or TV or film. So when I was unemployed and wanting to do things that were worthy of my time, I didn't want to waste my time. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I decided that I would write a book. And so that's what it's, that's, that's how it all started. Wow. Um, so it was kind of out of necessity. I said, you know, either I'm going to sit and wallow in <laughs> my brokenness mm-hmm. or... <laughs> Or I will sit here and, you know, use this time to produce something that that matters. So that's that's where it all started. Had you written before? Like, were you as part of your communicating, you know, being a storyteller? Had you written short stories? Had you, you know, not a novelist, a huge, scary thing. But had Mm -hmm. you written other things before that? You know, it's so interesting because it wasn't until that point to the point where I started to write my first book that I had to sit down and really think about my writing journey. And so, you know, I was, when I was a child, I journaled a lot. And I had even forgot, like, I wrote a play at church once and they actually 
produced it. (laughs) You know, so just all these little small things, um, poetry. I remember writing things um, specifically in seventh grade in art class, things I shouldn't be writing and sharing with my friends. But (laughs) You was that kid. Yeah, I was that kid. But it was, it's always been in me. And it wasn't until I hit a point that my partner and I got to a point where we were, we were stable, but there were so many um, points of uncertainty during that time that I realized that this this is who I am. You know, I can do this. So that's where it comes from. It's so dope that <laughs> when you, when we hit the recession, that creativity you went to a creative space um, because some people be like, "Well, let's see what Walmart's doing." Mm. But I think and it's really dope. Wrong with that. We do what we not at do. all. I, I would probably be the one saying, well, let's see. You know, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't think to take it to a creative space, mm. but you were, you know, not only nurturing your pockets, but your mind and your heart when you did that. And I think that is just so amazing that all of this came out of yeah. what could be considered a negative thing. And not letting fear like stop you from doing that. Right, right. You know, it was, it was definitely a lesson in, um, turning lemons into lemonade, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's, it's very easy to be in a space where you are, like I said, a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty, depression can, uh, you know, kind of slide in, but at the end of the day, you know, you can find the good in, in any situation. It's true. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I actually started my editorial consultancy when I lost my job. Right. I got laid off in 2008 as part of the recession. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay, what am I going to do? And I started looking for jobs and realized I didn't want one. And then out of that, because the the quote unquote worst thing career-wise that happened, I was like, well, fuck it. I might as well just go and try to do the thing I want to do. Yep. Yeah. So I for feel. sure. Okay. Well, Lauren, we read that your work, um, I read that your work reflects the lives of Southern Black girls and women. And as a Midwestern girl, but a Southern girl at heart, um, that spoke to me. So why why do you consider that your focus? That's my focus, honestly, because that's all I know. And so, but at the same time, I think it's important to shed light on a group of people as a whole that don't get much play in the literary sphere. Now, let me let me qualify that. So, of course, books produced by, published by Black women, uh, we see them all the time. But as far as a lot of um, creative energy, places where Black women writers can really um, find their community, a lot mm-hmm. of that doesn't come out of the South. It comes out of, say, New York or it's in L.A. or it's in, it's in you know, these um, mega mega cities and not necessarily in the South. That's not to say we don't have writers who are popular, but as far as the gatekeepers or the powers that be that have the space to really push our work out there, that's not coming from the South. And so I feel like who I am and who I want, who I represent it's important to put this region on the map in ways that we don't necessarily get to see. And in particular, that's when it comes to Black and queer characters. So that's why it's important for me to really be true to who I am and what I know is important to push out into the literary landscape. 
Sure. And I mean, that kind of brings us to the next question. You know, you run Resolute Publishing and as the website says, it helps transform dreamers, excuse me, dreams into realities for women. I'm, I'm guessing and also asking, is that kind of part and parcel with that drive that you have to, to get that representation and that sense of community out there? Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to Black, lesbian, and queer characters, like I would just post the question, when is the last time you saw a Black, lesbian, or queer character on a New York sellers list? You know, um, you don't see it in those, you don't see it in those top lists. It's just... And if it is just like a a very special edition, you know what I mean? Like everybody's Mm -hmm. pushed into this separate category instead of being recognized as being part of the full canon. Right, right. Yeah. And so there are very specific parts of the canon that get that lo- that level of notoriety and that you don't see it with Black lesbian queer characters. And so I thought it was important to really create a space where writers who are producing work with Black lesbian queer characters can have a home. Because at the end of the day, it's still limited to the independent publishing space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what it came from. But y'all, okay, hold up now. I got to tell on myself for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what we like around here. Well, now we're getting real. <laughs> and, this, and this is completely my fault. And this is what happens when you are a one-woman operation, right? Uh-huh. So I need to make some updates to that. So I will, I'm happy to share here with you and the listeners that I recently merged with BLF Press. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. And so BLF Press... Um, you know, I've worked with the publisher there. Her name is Stephanie Andrea Allen. Um, you know, the first book was Let's Talk, which is a collection of Black lesbian short fiction. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Silas and then most recently Black from the Future. And so we've been working together for a few years. And so now finally we are bringing together our publishing houses mm-hmm. to really be that place where women who identify as Black lesbian or feminist, that's what BLF Press stands for, they have a place to go. Like we want to be that go-to publishing house for writers who identifies black lesbian and fiction and are producing works that really speak to black lesbian and feminist characters. So dope. And y'all wow. y'all are the ones y'all co-founded um the Black Lesbian Literary Collective together, right? Yes, we did. Yep. yep. So you can talk can you tell us a little bit about well first this is dope as hell. I'm Man. so happy that you got to break this news here on the turn on. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's really breaking, but nonetheless, we we got the exclusive. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, to the Black Lesbian Literary Collective, can you tell us a little bit about the collective and its mission? Yeah, sure. So um, Stephanie, I formed the Black Lesbian Literary Literary Collective. That's that's a mouthful, y'all. Um, so we formed. <laughs> The BLLC out of, I would say, necessity and obligation. So I say necessity Mm. because, again, you know, like, I'm from the South. Stephanie is from the South. And at that point in time, we both were living in the South. And if if you're a writer and you're really serious about your craft, it's just like, okay, where do I want to go if I want to be around women who look like me and write like me? Mm. Meaning they're writing stories. They're writing, you know, prose or poetry, whatever the case. That reflects our world. That speaks to who we are. Like, I can identify one spot right now that I can go. I live in Middle Tennessee, and there's absolutely nowhere I can go if I want to be around people who look like me. Now, I can be around some people. I can be around white men. I can be around white women. I can be around queer people. But when it comes to Black, lesbian, and queer people, like, I don't have a place that I can go. So at the end of the day, like, it's out of necessity. If there's something that needs to be created, 
and it matters to you, then you have to do it. And then I say out of obligation because there's a legacy of Black women always creating what we need, you know, rather than waiting for things to happen. For us, we do it for ourselves. So if you are aware of an issue, then you've got to do something about it. So that's Uh why we formed that organization. That's awesome. And we noticed in the titles of both of those, like you have those two projects both function as collectives and it really speaks to what you're saying about not having a space and creating it. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that model, the model of the collective really key for you? Right. Cause I think there's a lot of yeah. ways to bring people together in, in, in community. Why is the collective aspect of that important to you? Um, it's important for many reasons. I think we kind of, you know, we follow the legacy of Black lesbian women, specifically Black lesbian writers who were forming collectives like back in the 70s, mm-hmm. like with the Combahee River Collective. Yes, like these were the women. Of black feminism. Yeah, you know, they came together because they understood the limitations of, you know, literature in America. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, they supported each other in their endeavors and they created a space where they could come together to support support each other in their endeavors. So the legacy is there. And also, as far as me being a part of the writing world, you know, this is just one part of who I am. But when it comes to the writing world, I don't want to write in isolation. I don't want to produce in isolation. Uh-huh. And it's not important for me to learn something if I can't share it with someone else. So yes. that's where um, that's where the collective comes in for me. Um, I prefer for us to do things together. Now, that's not to say that we don't end up doing the work ourselves. <laughs> you know, Stephanie and I, that happens a lot. But at, the end of the day, but at the end of the day, we've created this space where women can come together and share, learn, and grow, and produce. Okay. So on our last episode, we read from the dawn of Nia. And mm-hmm. we discussed in that episode that you're not an an erotica or romance writer. You, mm-hmm. you're a fiction writer, but right. you make it a point not to kind of do like those NBC shows or daytime, you know, <laughs> television shows where everything kind of fades to black and then you wake up the next morning with a towel wrapped over your spots your and, yeah, <laughs> and birds chirping. And so um, you wrote, you wrote fully realized and very steamy sex scenes. So why was it important for you to show the whole relationship between Nia and Deidre? Okay, Erica, for real, steamy. I just, that's so funny to me. <laughs> Y'all think they're steamy? I feel like when it comes, with my writing, yeah. that's probably yeah. how I wouldn't categorize it. But see, that's the good thing about being a writer because you get to hear from readers yeah. how they feel about your work. So, okay, so, okay. Here's, the, I, I, so here's the thing. We we have gone, and I say this often, and I don't want to sound like a complete snob because I do like trash television and yeah, things like that. How, you know what? We didn't ask for that. <laughs> All right. What I was what I was getting at? No, what I was getting at is that you, um, with erotic writing, there has to be a level of gotta Still? like play. Uh-huh. You, can't, you can't go whole hog, and I think you did a you wrote a really good scene that was beautiful and sensual and and yeah steamy but you know I, and, and so I, I find it hilarious that you're like I just wrote <laughs> like yeah no bitch but you wrote well <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And we read that scene with the massage, like after they went out and she was like, we look too good to go home. She was like, but I got stuff I want to do. And then they did the massage. We talked about massage for a smooth 10 minutes after we read that. (laughs) Oh my God, that is so funny. But you know, I think, I think for me, I've read, of course, I've read a lot of books that, um, about Black lesbian lies, of course, Black lesbian POV characters, and they they can tend to be one note. So Mm -hmm. for me, it is important to really develop well-rounded characters. So in the development, in reality, characters fuck. They have sex. That's right. So that's what you went to. Yeah. So, So there was no way for me, of course, to avoid it. But I think because these characters were new to each other, meaning Deidre, Nia, Mm-hmm. They're new to each other. They're new in a relationship. It's bound to happen. Like they're going to explore. They want to get to know each other, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just it comes it comes with the territory. So. Absolutely. Word. Uh, so another thing about the book, and I I don't think it's willing to plot to say that Nia and Deidre both struggle with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who works really hard at being vulnerable, their journeys really resonated with me. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, we want to get in your business. Have you ever had trouble being vulnerable with folks in your life? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't come naturally to me to be vulnerable when I don't know you well. Mm. I think in the relationship with my partner, of course, we've, we've been together for years. So I'm definitely more vulnerable with her than anyone else. But even after all this time, we've been together for 16 years and she tells me that I have my issues. I have my communication issues. I have my (laughs) issues with being open. I have my issues with, you know, letting my guard down. And so personally, that may have been um, a way for me to kind of identify with my characters on the opposite end, because I'm not that way. How can I develop them to be that way? You know, Mm -hmm. so. I mean, I wonder, does, did writing the book help you to sort through any of that? Like to see the the kernel of the truth of what your partner has been telling you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> nope, not at all. Well, I, you know, I try to be mindful of it. And I got to, you know, my partner's a therapist, so I, I get it. Um, <laughs> that's, I feel like that's got to be interesting. Oh, yeah, it is. She has, of course, just by training. And I think her just who she is personally fits naturally with her being a therapist. But, yeah, she she's honest. You know, she can (laughs) give it to me personally and she she can give it to me professionally. So, (laughs) So, yeah, that's been interesting. Okay, well, we're going to do uh, part two of this interview. Right. uh, (laughs) Get on (laughs) with you and your partner. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I cannot. That is so, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, interesting is the best word, but I feel like it, yeah. Like, so we had a therapist on um, a few weeks ago, I guess about a month ago. And uh, we were asking her about like, what's the worst thing about being a therapist? And she's like, everybody wants you to like give them therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I wonder with the temptation, not the temptation, but how easy it would be able to slip into that because it's somebody who you trust, right? And who you right. If you're going to be vulnerable and let that on your boundary, your barriers and make healthy boundaries with anybody, it would be your partner. But for them to be somebody who is so well versed, that's got to be an interesting tightrope to walk. Oh, huh. it, it is at times. But at the same time, you know, it's nice to be 
with someone who has, you know, great insight and can mm -hmm. communicate and can problem solve. So yeah, but yeah. Because mm -hmm. I'm yeah. over here struggling trying to get Negroes to fucking <laughs> tell me what they want for dinner. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I would definitely right. enjoy the other <laughs> end of that pendulum, <laughs> right? I hear you. So what are you reading now? Oh my gosh, what am I reading now? So I'm a part of a um, book club and we read, we read Queer Lit, but we read some of everything. And um, one of the most recent stories I finished was Achilles. Hmm. It was a story about Achilles, and I can't even recall the name of the story. But anyway, the writer she went and she wrote, she retold the story of Achilles. So that was interesting. But huh. but yeah, I try to I try to read um, all across the board. And right now, I've recently started listening to more audiobooks. So right now, I'm reading, uh, well, not reading, but listening to a story by Walter Mosley. Oh, it's okay. all reading to me. I'm a huge uh, audio mm -hmm. listener too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's good for good oh, yeah. trips and commuting and all of that. And it's still reading. Mm. Oh, yeah. But I read pretty much across the board. I don't care what genre it is. Um, if it's a good book, I'll read it. And so this book right now by Walter Mosley is pretty much speculative fiction. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm all for everything. Yes. Okay. So. I, I guess I should have asked you this before we dove into what are you reading, but what do you want readers to take away from The Dawn of Nia when they get to the last page? You know, what's most important for me is for a reader to feel like they could find themselves in the story mm -hmm. and that they feel like the, the story was authentic. That's, that's what's most important to me. Um, it's, I'm very much... Like I said, I write about Southern black lesbians, black lesbians, and I write about Southern girls. But at the end of the day, I feel like if you can derive meaning from the story, because like you said earlier, you know, it's more than romance. It's more than the fact that these are lesbian characters. Um, it's about growth, you know? Nia grew through this experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think anybody can identify with being put in a really hard predicament and being able to see their way through um, pretty much a storm and come out on the other side, having gained something that they can hold on to for a lifetime. Yeah. Yay. And that's yeah. a great note for us to end. Can't say it too much better than that. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was great. Oh, no problem. I definitely enjoyed it. So for folks who want to find you, there's a few different websites, right? So there's lsharelle.com. That's L C H E R E. LLE.com and Res Publishing, R E S Publishing.com, and then Black Lesbian Literary Collective.org, right? Right. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And do you want to share your Twitter handles? Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter. It's Lauren Creates. That's L A U R E N C R E, the number eight S. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will also throw in there too because I said I merged with BLF Press. So it's BLFPress.com. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Turn On. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Have a wonderful day. This episode was produced by us, Erica and Kenria, and edited by Ballistic. The theme song is from Brazy. First, please leave a review in your favorite podcast listening app. 
For real, we want to hear from y'all. Send your book recommendations and all the burning sex and related questions you want us to answer to the turn on podcast at gmail.com. And please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at the turn on pod and Instagram at the turn on podcast and find links to books, transcripts, guest info and other fun stuff at the turn on podcast.com. Bye.